Good morning, Riverbend. Happy Sunday to you. I hope that you are well coming to you yet again in the podcast form as opposed to our normal Sunday gathering at Kenwood School, which if you're anything like me, you're missing it a lot. I really miss um, gathering together and raising a shout of praise to King Jesus in one voice. It's just this beautiful way that we express our love and adoration for Jesus and celebrate the victory of Jesus in song. So beautiful, and I miss it terribly. also miss the ambiance of familial love, you know, just like the, the conversation where we're l- getting to know one another and, and everyone's stories and encouraging and praying for each other. There's just something really special about that, and that's something that has been a strength of Riverbend from, from day one. You guys are just really, really good at loving one another, and so not being able to express ourselves in that way has been a challenge and been really, yeah, It's just called for what it is. It's been sad. But at the same time, I just want to say I'm really proud of how you have responded intuitively, and I think by the Spirit, and been really creative in how you've been expressing yourself as the people of Jesus, as the church of God. And that's something to celebrate. And I even think that that's what this conversation today is all about. It's sort of recapping the journey that we've been on this past month or six weeks, whatever it's been. And then talk about the why, why we've been doing some of the things we've been doing. Anchor all of it biblically and and then talk about how this might be shaping our future. Because initially we thought, hey, this is maybe a week to two weeks. We're not going to be gathering. But now it's turning into a longer season. And the more we sit in it, the more I believe that God is actually coming to us in a unique way. And that's actually shaping the trajectory of the church. Like the church of our children's future is being shaped today in the spring of 2020. Not, uh, It's not just about um, the next several weeks. It's actually about what God is doing and maybe... Um, doing differently in the next couple of decades. So I'm really discovering that this is a this is a moment to lean into with a lot of excitement because God is a creative powerhouse of redemptive love. So we just have to be ready for that. So I want to pray before we do that. I just want to encourage you this is not a passive environment although it must feel that way to you. I can only imagine. But we want to encourage you Jesus is speaking to you and he wants to come to you and he's uh, uh, and and so we want to pay close attention to how the spirit is working. So would you please put away distraction, certainly your phone if you can manage that. Uh, grab your bible and a pen, a journal, get ready to t- take some notes and just um, prepare your heart for how God wants to speak to you right now. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Eager to hear your voice. And we're really grateful for how you've been spreading your peace, your joy, your love to us as your people in this really drastic and difficult time in our world's history. And we're not, not, it's crazy that as we pray, it doesn't even feel like an overstatement. We're really in this moment of deep societal change and um, everything's being impacted and affected by it. And we are certainly not immune, but we really see you coming to us with your creative, redemptive love. And we just thank you so much that that you are so good. So we, we lean on your wisdom and we want to be um, experiencing you and we want you to reveal yourself to us. We can't control how any of that happens necessarily, but our eyes are open, our, our hearts are open and we want to hear from you. So would you speak powerfully 
in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, let me first say I'm so thankful to, that you guys are our church. Um, you've been so kind and generous to Grace and I. I've heard from so many of you just reaching out to see how we're doing. And we're doing really great. We're doing really well. Um, it's been uh, 2020 before COVID-19. I feel like I was going way too too fast. I was way too busy, over busy. And um, COVID-19 naturally has slowed us all down a lot. And so been on this forced pause and spending seven nights a week with the kids. And um, that's been, I can't remember any time that that's been a thing for us. I've normally had at least two to three nights, sometimes more, out each and every week. And this has just been uh, just a huge gift in that way. So we're enjoying each other's company. We're doing a lot of fun, creative projects together. Um, obviously, homeschooling Isabel, which has been a challenge, but a, a really fun one. And um, Grace and I are also in our marriage doing really well. Although I guess you could say you could you could pray for her. I think having my creative intensity and energy <laughs> around a little 1100 square foot place 24 seven for over a month is a little bit much for, for anyone really, but for her, it's been a little bit of a challenge. We're doing really well. There hasn't been any fights or anything, but I can definitely see how, um, sometimes she just has to ask me to go outside and to take my creative energy elsewhere. <laughs> and that's, and that's totally okay. But, um, if you think about us, pray, pray for our family and we certainly appreciate, um, how you guys have supported our family in this time. We appreciate you're such a generous, kind-hearted church. So thank you. Um, so when COVID-19 like first hit the West Coast and we learned that we weren't going to be able to gather as a church in our normal ways, um, the temptation was really strong. I think a lot of churches in our network and just kind of across um, Bend were feeling this intense pressure to just react, to, to like, okay, get a plan in place. Let's go. We need to figure out what we're doing and just act. And so um, a lot of that really feels like the societal pressure, really, right? Everyone right now is just sort of reacting emotionally to what's going on around us in sort of this heightened, anxious state. What are we going to do? It's sort of frantic. And um, Trust me, I understand that impulse. In fact, I, I have it in myself as well because I um, am responsible for leading our church forward in a lot of ways. And so we have felt the pressure just like everyone else. But we really felt in a moment of prayer, like the Lord was asking us to do something a little bit different and to instead just say, Jesus, we you have our full and undivided attention. Like, we are acknowledging first and foremost that you are the leader of this church. Like you are our head. You are, we all submit to you. You are king. And so we want to take direction from you. We don't want to just be impulsive and reactive. And in fact, this is how we've defined ourselves as a church. We are a Jesus church. This is the network that we're in. We have all kinds of uh, deep DNA in this reality that we follow after Jesus. We say it all the time, and it's not just lip service. We are His, and we want to fall out to Him. So really, at first impulse, we it took uh, a lot of concerted effort, but we, we said, no, we're not going to just react emotionally and just put together a quick game plan. We want to first 
give our full and undivided attention to Jesus and just say, Jesus, how are you coming to us? What do you want to teach us? And I hope that that's how you're approaching life with your family. I know you have a mortgage to pay. I know you've got you know car payments and retirement plan to think about. And some of you are losing your, your jobs. And there's all kinds of things happening around you. And I totally get it. And we need to be responsible. But um, I think the first responsible thing we can do is to give our full and undivided attention to Jesus. So as we were praying together as a team, we really felt like the Lord was saying, I want to redeem this situation. Right? He, I've said it before, he is a creative powerhouse of redemptive love. He just is emanating and filled with a creative power to redeem things that are evil and broken and use them for his good. And so um, we committed early on to give our attention fully to Jesus and to pay close attention to how he might be redeeming things in this time. And so that's where a lot of our ideas came from. But I, I want to mention first how we sort of lean into that. We basically um, spend some more time in prayer. And here's here's kind of what we, we came up with. I think there's at least three things that the Lord was saying. And, and that was that the first thing was to just come back to me, your first love. Um, remember, Revelation chapter 2 is um, another letter to the Ephesian church, a couple decades after Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesian church, which is what um, we've been studying line by line as a church um, through the winter and early spring here. Um, but Revelation chapter 2 is a couple of decades later where the Apostle John is writing, sort of revealed by the Spirit of God, um, just God's heart for uh, the church at Ephesus. And he says, hey, I'm, here's, here's what you've done well. I'm proud of you for this. You've like held to the truth and all of that. Well done. But like this is what I have against you. You have left your first love and 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 he's saying you've you've lost your 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 passion and your love for me and so we felt like the first thing that this sort of forced pause with um with regards to normal church life it was about is to just slow down and to cultivate the presence of god let's not let this time pass without um, developing the right habits and practices so that we're cultivating the presence of God. And for for me, as as your pastor, I just want to tell you, like, above anything else, um, I want to be this person who is passionate about the presence of God and loves spending time with Him, expressing my love to Him. And the Lord is so good and near to all of us and he has provided the opportunity for us to abide in him and to practice his presence. And we want to be that kind of church and those kinds of people. Um, and so we we see that this, this moment where all of us have been forced to slow down is a great opportunity to cultivate um, more time in the presence of God and cultivate that love relationship with the Lord. Another thing that we felt like the Lord is saying to us is he's redeeming this time 
um, so that we can be formed into his image. More than what we do, this, this time is about who we are becoming and how we are advancing the kingdom of God together. So as much as we'd love to just sort of jump into all of the creative ideas and like, let's do this and let's do that. And what if we tried this and experimented with that idea? We're, we wanted to ask the question, okay, how is God shaping us? Who are we becoming? Remember, James chapter 1 talks about trials as being like a source of joy because the Lord is using trials to perfect our faith. And, and the idea there, which is a kind of a gnarly word to use, but the idea there is that, that we are being perfected through our trials. God is taking the things that are challenges in our life and he's using them to develop our character. So we feel like one of the ways Jesus is redeeming this time, this COVID-19 moment for us as a church is to form us and to shape us, which is why we always want to lean into spiritual formation, but perhaps maybe now more than ever. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But then the third thing that we felt like um, God is wanting to redeem this 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 horrific moment, global moment that we're in, um, for is for spiritual awakening. Uh, we believe that um, moments of global crisis can give rise to widespread gospel awakening. And so um, we really feel like that's what this moment is all about. In fact, we've already started to see little whispers and maybe even seeds of this awakening beginning to take hold. For example, like you've probably read articles like I have of like Bibles are selling out on Amazon and on store shelves because people are looking for hope again. And we're also experiencing like an uptick in prayer. It's, it's a very, very real thing. In fact, we just sort of relaunched Alpha uh, on Zoom, which is like our new medium for all kinds of things um, to like resume the conversation that we'd started months ago um, in person and sort of check back in with everyone and see how everyone's doing. And there a, a lot of our guests who would not describe themselves as Jesus followers have bought in, um, themselves a Bible and are actually beginning to pray um, a lot more uh, consistently because we're turning, people are turning to God, because there are a lot of questions that are being asked now. We can't just go on with our lives as normal. We have to deal with our telos. We have to deal with our like these bigger uh, ideological, philosophical questions, which for us are all anchored in Jesus as who as like the King and the Lord of all. And we're finding that there is a lot of other people who are beginning to search for these answers as well. And so we believe that for us as like being uh, a part of this spiritual awakening, we need to be grounded in the presence of God, be formed into the presence of God, and also have Deep, have deeply thought through um, these these questions that people have and actually have good answers for the hope that we have in us and that we could actually be people of peace in a frenetic, anxious, chaotic, worried, stressed out world and that, that will eventually even tip the scales and we'll be able to see the fruit of awakening in our very time and culture. That's our hope and that's what we're sort of asking for. So we've uh, launched a special podcast I release every Tuesday and Thursday on this topic, following Jesus into a world in crisis. And so you can pay attention to those as they come across every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but in it, we're talking about sort of the three things that 
may we may be able to do to contribute to this spiritual awakening and that's to pray <laughs> that's a big deal for us as you know and then uh love loving our neighbor redemptive action and then um being a people of peace or a non-anxious presence in an anxious world and that's sort of how we want to make peace so anyways those are some of the first things we felt like the lord was speaking to us initially before we really did anything as a church we felt like man we need to give our full undivided attention to jesus and this is sort of what he spoke um and then i started having a lot of conversations with other pastors and church leaders both in our area and and really all over the place because we have a, a, a wide network and have a lot of friends who are in ministry and i i just um not not to shame anyone or to even be judgmental but we just felt like people were slow to ask the right questions. In fact, some of the questions we we thought people were asking were just maybe a little bit off. And that was just like, how do we like recreate what we were doing on Sundays in people's living room and just, uh, just basically um, hold with our, our normal ministry patterns and just sort of bring them into people's living room. And I, we really felt like, especially given what God had spoken and, especially given what um, we felt like God was asking of us, that that just wasn't the the right question to even ask. We felt like the right question was, how do we lean into this moment and actually express ourselves as the people of Jesus in creative ways that we don't normally get to do on Sundays. So we don't want to create like a like a worse version <laughs> of what we were doing on Sunday at Kenwood School and like, just pump it into your TV, we instead wanted to say, okay, this is actually a moment to lean into the strengths of the smaller gathering, to lean into the um, the very many gifts and parts of the body that exist in our church that maybe haven't been fully activated yet. What would it look like to fully activate people? And so that that was really uh, of the, the the fascinating question that we were really wanting to ask, and again, no judgment to anyone um, in doing other things, and other people have answered these questions in different ways. And there's in in no way are we trying to say what we're doing is better, but we just felt like for us, we wanted to ask some maybe deeper and bigger questions and zoom out a little bit and look at what God might be doing in the larger larger story of COVID nineteen, rather than just trying to. Um, recreate what we're doing on Sundays in the living room. And uh, so, in, in fact, I was on a call um, a couple of days ago, a Zoom call with um, just a fantastic group of pastors, um, part of this network called the Genesis Collective. And um, Chris Venand sort of leans this uh, this movement of, of church planting. And, and Chris Venand, who I'm sure probably none of None of you have even heard of him, but he's just amazing South African prophetic church planner, pastor guy who leads a church uh, right now in um, Southern California, L.A. area. And um, he's probably in his, his 50s or so. And um, he, the first round of church planning he did was back in South Africa during apartheid, but actually before, during, and after apartheid. And so he's been through all kinds of stuff as a, as a leader, and he just had some really powerful things to say. And I'll I'll never forget one of the things he said on this Zoom call a couple days ago. He said, every hundred years or so, there's a church rummage sale. And we all sort of chuckled at that. And what he meant by that is that um, we 
are selling actually begin to get rid of and to sell the things off that used to be valuable that are but are now just in storage and uh, i just love that as a metaphor and basically what he was saying is that everything is on the table everything that we do as a church is on the table and we say hey what is essential to orthodoxy and what is god really asking us to do right now that might actually look a little bit different than what we've always been doing so how do we see jesus working in this moment and um so so again this is all about asking hopefully the right questions both of jesus but then also of ourselves and who we are and how god has made us as a uniquely as as riverbend church so again that that has sort of informed a lot of these questions and so Again, when it comes to ecclesiology, the big question of ecclesiology, what is the church and what does it look like to be the church? Um, again, for me, it's, it's what do we see Jesus doing? Who is Jesus and what is he doing? Those are the questions that deeply inform our ecclesiology. And then, you know, a third, like second layer question to that is how did the first Jesus followers interpret Jesus and his teaching and what he was doing in the first generation of the church? And that's really the book of Acts. So we look at Jesus, we become really captivated by, and this is my 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 challenge to you, is become gripped and captivated by the story of Jesus, the biography of Jesus, and what he was up to, what he was doing, the person that he was, and then, of course, who he is to us now, the King, the Lord of all, right? Who's exalted at the right hand of the Father. Um, so be deeply um, embedded in and uh, immersed in, is probably a better way of saying that, the story of the gospel. And also how the first Jesus followers, so the people who are part of that story of Jesus, how they interpreted that after he ascended to go be with the Father and launched the church. And really, I think that those are the things that really inform church um, as, as in in the in the best ways. So, anyways, that that was kind of like the starting point. So that was a long way of getting to the starting point. But then, out of that, we felt like the Lord sort of inspired some of these ideas that we've been doing together. So, and really, ultimately, what we've wanted with all of that is to not just this be about the ten percent of people who normally do most of the work at church, but to actually sort of turn it around and really activate as many people as possible to really be play an active role in the the community of, of Jesus and really be a part of spreading peace in a fearful world. So uh, so some of the things that we've been doing in response to that have been like this, what we're doing right now, the living room liturgy, which is as you've noticed, has not been like a Sunday gathering in the typical way, although there are some similar elements to it. The living room liturgy is actually a guided practice. So it's not us giving, it's not us worshiping and then you get to sort of join in. It's like, it's actually saying, hey, we want to give you tools so that you can engage in your living room with your family and lean into the strengths of the small gathering versus the large gathering. There's certain things we can do in the large gathering we can't do in the small, and then there's a lot of stuff in the small at-home gathering that we can't do in the large. And so we wanted to empower you and champion you to be engaged in your worship. So that's why we went the guided practice route instead of the... Um, 
uh, like online service route. And we're still working on getting more video content created and stuff like that because we see how that's better than um, just audio. But at the same time, we've wanted to not just do worship and you can like listen along, but really give you tools to to worship yourself. So hopefully this is inspiring more participation engagement. So there's guided prayers and whereas there's a little bit of a uh, like a communion meditation, but really it's a lot of this is self-directed by you. And that's really good. I've also like as a part of this living room liturgy is wanted to curate other voices. Again, normally you hear from me, you hear from Brooke, you hear from a guest pastor or one of the people on our staff team on a Sunday, but we've wanted to sort of expand that out a little bit and invite some other wise voices from within and without our community um, to, um, yeah, teach the scriptures and meditate on the scriptures together. So hopefully that's been a real gift. So we're going to be expanding on and growing in living room liturgy as as time goes on. The second thing that we've done is we've taken all of our um, normal prayer meetings that we have all throughout the week and we've taken them on to Zoom, right? Which is just a, a, a way that we can, a uh, medium, if you will, that we can connect while we're not able to meet together face-to-face. But then uh, we also, out of our Easter gathering, launched this 24-7 prayer movement or this 24-7 prayer meeting through the month of April. And I'm just, I can't, I cannot tell you how excited I am for how well this is going, that we have been praying nonstop for church now for a little bit under a week, almost a week by the time you're listening to this. And we're going to continue on. And I had a hope and expectation that that we would all respond to this, but you have just been so inspiring to me by how you have committed to wake up and pray through the night. And I just want to shout out to a lot of you who are um, praying for multiple hours. I know my friend Dan has been praying um, hour after hour. My friend Greg, who's also one of our elders here too, has been taking a lot of those early morning shifts. And then there's like Marge and Julie Hammond and Cambria and Tyler and a bunch of you who are signing up to, to pray multiple hours this week. And I'm really, really inspired by it. Again, it's not just like to do something. It's because uh, just to do anything, but we feel like them. This is like this has always been a part of God's plan for revival and awakening is to have the people of Jesus to hunger and thirst for God um, with uh, an increase, uh, an increased passion, and and uh, and like this sort of like and this is what I think God's been doing with us too is like this crystallization of discontent. Like no no no, there is more to life. In this, there's more to the gospel than this. We're not going to just like sit idly by while our world is in crisis. We are going to cry out to God for salvation and healing. So, of course, the healing involves all kinds of things, physical, material, and all of the rest. But it also involves a spiritual awakening. It involves people coming alive in Jesus and turning to Jesus. And again, we have not wanted to shrink back on that. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 is one of my favorite sort of contending prayers in the scriptures. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And it's this cry of the prophet who lives at a time when the people of God have sort of turned their back and idolized other gods and are not getting the hint and not taking the lesson. And they're totally just being ravaged by um, the Assyrians. And Habakkuk is just weeping 
and so desperate. And he's crying out for God. And he said, God, I've heard of what you've done. I know like the story of my people. Like you are a powerful God. And we want to see that renewed, the renewed power and works of God in my time. And that's the prayer of the contending prayer warrior. And that's really what we've wanted to step into. So we've ratcheted that up with the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, And we think that this was really significant. The reason why this happened at Easter is because Resurrection Day is the key moment of the year for us as the church. It's the moment when Jesus bursts out of the grave and displays his power for all to see. And it's like, oh my gosh, yes, this victory has been won. So when Resurrection Day intersects with a global pandemic like coronavirus, it's just this really unique moment that I think we as the people of Jesus need to have eyes wide open to the possibility of what God can do and the victory of Jesus, what God, what's possible when we cry out to Jesus. So again, it's just about um, it, turning up the the hunger and the passion from within ourselves and cultivating in ourselves a passion for God. And we've seen a couple of different things. First of all, I think we're seeing the very first fruit or the the like the the hope of spiritual awakening on the horizon. I think we're seeing that. But I also see that I've heard from so many of you who are like, oh my word, like I I don't know if I've ever prayed for a whole hour in my life, but that was such a gift and it was like I just enjoyed my time with Jesus. And it's so exciting. I'm so glad. I think it's a discipleship opportunity as much as it is anything else. Um, also, like um, in in like Thessalonians, it talks about continual prayer. One uh, Ephesians chapter one, Paul says, "Since the day that I heard this, I have not stopped praying for you." There's something about the solidarity and the um, sort of un, unbending commitment to pray. Jesus taught us to pray, um, and so we we want to be these people. Obviously, also Colossians and Corinthians, the whole New Testament is just saturated with prayer and so what what we've come to this conclusion that the whole jesus kingdom movement is about is about us coming alongside of what god is doing and so we need this ongoing conversant prayer life so 24 7 prayer for now we don't know what it's going to look like in the future we're really just like focused on for right now this is what god is asking us to do the moravian church went a hundred years right Uh, i told you that story last week um and i honestly don't know what the the future of this 24 7 prayer movement will hold but we what we do know is the throttle on prayer for us is on the floor it's just we are praying and we're not going to let up on our commitment to pray. It just it may take on some different forms. Hopefully we'll be able to be praying together in a room together here real soon. That's my 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 goal and so at that time things may look a little bit different, but for now there are so many opportunities. Please go online prayben.org we launched this whole website around um, this prayer movement and you can select one or multiple hours both uh, like any day of the week to pray and I would greatly greatly appreciate you taking this uh, as your personal call to prayer and to resolve within yourself to pray with the leaders of our church for spiritual awakening the Hebrides revival last thing I'll say on this the Hebrides revival which is in the islands of of, of nor- northern uh, Scotland and back in the 1930s and 40s there was basically these two women 182 184 who were grieved crystallization of discontent they were grieved 
that the that no young people in the Hebrides were following Jesus or going to church anymore. And that was that was true. It was a smaller area, but um, it had already become like a totally de-churched spot. And so these two older women didn't really know what to do with it. The pastors that they talked to didn't really know what to do with it either. And so they just resolved within themselves, we're going to pray through the night, um, a couple nights each week, and we're just going to ask for God to to like bring a new move of the Spirit. And they did that for several years on end. And then eventually what ended up taking place is a absolute work of the spirit a revival where there was all night prayer meetings weeping through the night over sin and dedicating lives to jesus and this this sense of celebratory victory and just hope in fact all of the all of all everything about that revival the hebrides revival you can check out this there's a book called the revival in the hebrides it's absolutely amazing you can read about it it's like all these unlikely unsung heroes are the ones who are really catalysts in this revival um it's very grassroots and very organic and just so so beautiful but it started because two elderly women who wouldn't who couldn't no one would listen to decided that they were going to pray through the night i love that so much um so Again, that was sort of informed by what Jesus was saying to us at the very beginning of this crisis. Like, we're going to pray for spiritual awakening. It's also about cultivating the presence of God. Um, so it's 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 not just one thing there. It's, uh, multiple things are happening when we're praying. Um, the Another thing that we felt like the Lord was inviting us to was what we're now calling care crews. So look with me at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Um, this is one of my favorite all-time scriptures uh, in, in the whole New Testament. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and with truth. So the whole point of this passage, which I love, is like, is like, hey, so talk is cheap, like easy to say, I love you. It's a different thing to really live out the love of Jesus. And so the benchmark or the example of love that we look to and model our lives after is the one of Jesus laying down his life for, for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So Basically, we're all craving and we all depend on the love of one another in order to really thrive. And so in this moment, we have, uh, in this moment of COVID-19, probably now more than ever, both um, some of us, again, have lost our jobs or are isolated, living alone. And we've got all of these um, new needs that are coming to the surface, emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs. And we need to for the sake of one another, for the glory of God, and for the people outside of the church, we need to take ownership for the well-being of the people around us. And so I can't do that for everyone. You can't do that for everyone, but you can do that for a group of four to six people. And so what we've wanted to do with Care Crews is just take um, some intentional steps to be active. It's not about talk. It's about 
action. So the guided practice that we put together for care crews is a very um, specific, as, as like a little bit broad in the sense, like how are you doing emotionally? How are you doing spiritually and things like that? But they said, what can I do to take action from this conversation? And, um, you know, there's a lot of churches and a lot of like nonprofit movements actually out there right now that are, that have like big resources. We're talking, you know, big church staffs, big buildings, big, um, uh, you know, big, big resource, big money. <laughs> um, and so they're able to do big humanitarian efforts, big centralized humanitarian efforts. Um, and I, I see some of those things online and I just like applaud them so much. I think it's fantastic. We are a different sort of church, kind of church. And since some of these other churches are doing those things, we felt called to maybe something a little bit different, which was like saying, well, we don't have any of that. But what we do have is we have you. We have you, like several hundred people who are genuinely passionate about Jesus and genuinely love him, genuinely following after him. We've got people like Ben and Catherine and Tyler and Amanda and their community um, who've been taking care of the Desh family. You know, the Desh family, Stephen and Jess, who I know you guys know and love, they um, uh, recently had their baby, Adelaide, who's in the NICU now. She's doing well, but she was born like 13 weeks early in the middle of this COVID crisis. There was a risk at one point that Stephen wouldn't even be able to go in and visit her anymore because of the COVID crisis. And then on top of that, Stephen um, was laid off from his job. And so um, their community, Stephen texted me, he says, dude, my, my, my community just needs to get a massive shout out because of how well they have loved our family through this. They've been on our practical needs to be caring for us emotionally. They've been doing whatever it takes to care for us. And so that is the sort of thing that I'm talking about is we've got, we've got you who are, going to care for the well-being of the people around them. We've also got people like Jason Villanueva. You guys know him as one of the amazing drummers that we have on Sunday. And he's not drumming as much as he used to anymore, or at least not on Sundays. Um, but what he is doing is he's an advocate um, for the um, for people in our community who are marginalized, disadvantaged, mostly people who uh, have English as a second language and don't necessarily know what their medical resources are. Um, and so he has worked for years and being sort of a case agent, helping connect people with resources, people in need with resources. And um, he's just got this massive heart for people on the margins of society. And he spends his entire day <laughs> um, every single day doing that. And now with COVID-19, all of those things have been heightened even more. There's this sort of disproportionate, I'm learning from Jason, a disproportionate amount of resources for people like you and me who uh, maybe are a part of maybe more of a, a middle class and, and speak English and are uh, citizens and all of that. But there's this whole other um, demographic of people who are our neighbors, who Jesus loves, who do not have the same access to care. And so Jason has been literally on the phone with Oregon senators advocating for people uh, on the margins of society. And so we just applaud you, Jason, the work that you're doing. And uh, we also just want to support you and Natalie and how God has called you to to care for the people on the margins of culture. And so this is this is our competency. This is our strength is that we have you. We're not going to centralize and do massive projects like set up a you know, tent hospital somewhere. But what we are going to do is we are going to leverage 
your circles of influence, the people who are around you, and in Care Crew, we're going to care for one another, and then we're going to look outside of ourselves and care for people outside of that. So it requires you getting creative. It requires you getting innovative. It requires you pulling from your own pocket and from your own, like, resources in order to support things and make things happen but i've been so pleased to see how that is beginning to take shape and it'll continue to take shape over the long haul again jesus is not about like quick fixes it's really nice to to like we we think in terms of quick fixes but the way that jesus works is 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 very holistic um and so we don't we don't see it as like a short-term play we see it as a very long-term play but it requires you stepping up again um typically what will happen is in situations like this is that four five ten people will take on the majority load what we're intentionally doing is we're we're pushing that load out to uh, uh, like the whole church so you're being called to action and god is inviting you to love not the whole world um but definitely four to six people and then the people in your guys's networks um um, Andy Crouch, who is this great social commentator, and this uh, leads a, a, a group called the Praxis Labs. It's very fascinating, out of New York. He's a prolific author. If you haven't picked up his work, you should do that. He um, basically framed this whole COVID moment, I think, in a really beautiful way. He said that um, um, very early on, back before we, we knew much about COVID-19, he said, is COVID-19 going to be a uh, for the church a big storm a long winter or an ice age this is really kind of interesting metaphor he's like if it's a big storm you just sort of like put on your winter jacket and you you hit pause for a moment and then you get back back to it or is it like a long winter like a four to five month like oh my gosh you're sort of battening down hatches and doing some things a little bit different and then uh, emerging in the spring uh, and kind of get back to normal or is COVID-19 a, like a longer ice age that's actually shape shifting the ecology of our land in a lot of ways and so I love the the metaphor there and what we're finding is we don't know the answer to that yet but we do know it's like either a long winter or it's turning into some form of an ice age that that things are looking differently and will continue to look differently so we need to be paying attention to how that informs what we're doing as the church, um, which leads us to yet another thing that we've invited you to take part in. And again, it's another guided practice. It's about calling you to engagement and participation rather than centralizing a bunch of stuff that we're doing. Um, and that's church around the table. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite things about Jesus is he knew how to appreciate a good meal and he knew how to love people. And um, a lot of that happened around the table. And, and the early church was defined by that too. This is how they interpreted Jesus's ministry is they ate uh, from house to house and enjoyed one another's company. Acts chapter 2, the story of the, the, the first church, the Holy Spirit comes, Peter preaches this, this impassioned message, the same mob who killed Jesus, and then thousands of people trust in him. And now they form these little home churches. And the scripture says that they... Um, and they broke bread uh, from house to house, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, right? And so this was one of the distinctives or one of the key ingredients of the early church. And we sort of lost that um, value in one way or another um, in the modern church. And now, especially um, if I can say it, like especially because of technology um, and um, like Netflix and all that, I think that 
families are spending less and less time even than normal um, around the dinner table enjoying each other's company. So again, thinking redemptively, how does God want to redeem this? He's redeeming this by saying, hey, turn off all your tech, disengage from media for a while. Your social media notifications will be waiting for you in a couple of hours. Spend some time around the table with the ones you love. And so we developed this guided practice called Church Around the Table, which is a really simple guided practice to hopefully help you um, engage with your family around important topics. So what we decided to do first was to just go through the fruit of the Spirit. So there's a guided practice on love. Invite you to tell your favorite love story or listen to your favorite love song and then talk about talk about that and then look at love from the scriptures. But again, it's just it's really basic. It's just watching a, a video online. So it's really, really simple. Um, but the idea is that you are together and you're enjoying the presence of God and you're enjoying each other. Uh, and then one of the other things that we're doing um, is we're doing this special podcast, which I mentioned a couple minutes ago, every Tuesday and Thursday, following Jesus into a world in crisis. And this is just something that came to me really early on that, yeah, if God wants to um, use this situation redemptively, we're going to need more than just like a um, you know, a feel-good sermon every every week. We're going to need more than that. We're going to need some instruction. We're going to need some teaching. We're going to need some wise leaders to speak into this. And so I I, I started this podcast, um, and, and it, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I'm getting a lot of feedback as well from you that you're enjoying it too. So thanks for all of that. But we delve into a lot of the specifics about why we pray, about what a call to redemptive action actually is and what it looks like. And then in particular, this is what I've been focusing on more lately, is on becoming a non-anxious presence. And how do we actually live into the peace of Jesus in a world of chaos and, and when everything in us and everything in the world around us is telling us to freak out, how do we live as a people of Jesus and actually then make peace in a world of chaos? And um, that has been sort of the focus of these conversations. And so we're putting out three podcasts a week and it's been just a, an, an amazing, amazing time. And we're doing a little bit of guided practice too at the end of that as well, like actually guided prayer times, which was experimental, brand new to us. But we found it to be super enjoyable and helpful. Um, and so here's what I, I want you to see yourself as. As like sent people with this spirit of, of, of love, joy, and peace. And so we want to rally around the scriptures, rally around the teaching of Jesus, rally around the wise leaders that we are being influenced by and ask God how he wants to redeem it and then be willing to be, have the courage to be called to action. So those are several of the things that we've been working on in response to giving our attention to Jesus and him sort of informing this process. But I want to end our time with also letting you know that there's some more things coming down the pike, but then also to just ask a couple of questions for you to reflect on. And I want to invite you to throw it out in your living room right now, just sort of discuss these questions together and end with some time of prayer. Because again, 
the only way that any of this works is that it's not just me and our staff team or me and our elder team rallying together, but it's actually a call to action for all of us. And so we want to encourage you not in like a shaming sort of a way or you better do this sort of a way. It's just in a way of like, hey, we love you. We want to see you thrive. We want to see you actually step into your calling as as sent people of Jesus. And so we want to invite you into this process with us. Would you be asking some of the same questions we're asking ourselves? And would you be a part of an active, play an active role in what God is doing? So here's these questions I want you to reflect on. What does God want to form in you during the COVID crisis? While you're on forced pause, you're under self-quarantine, you're spending a lot less time at the pub or um, grabbing lunch or coffee with your friends or whatever. You're doing less of that. So there's more time on the table for you. What does God want to form in you? What are the practices? What are the habits that are going to be necessary in order to form that in you? What are the character traits that God wants to form in you? Um, do you want to grow in prayer? You're like, okay, gosh, Andrew keeps rambling on and on about prayer. Maybe I should pray more. I want to do that, but I don't know how. This is your moment. We've created this resource, prayben.org, that has multiple options for you uh, to, to learn from and to help you as you decide to pray. For me, um, what the Lord is inviting me to do is to grow in gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit that has not been a hallmark of my leadership or a hallmark of me as a person, and I know that I need to grow in gentleness. So that's what God is asking of me. But I want you to ask that question. What does God want to form in you during this time? Write it down. Remember it. And as you pray, just ask God to give you inspiration for how he wants to cultivate in that that in you and then the second question is what is God asking you to do and when I ask that question it's really about redemptive action right it's about this idea of who are you meant to love how are you meant to love what do you uniquely bring to the table and what resources do you have at your disposal in order to love your neighbor well press into that question what is God asking you to do what is not what is I what am I asking you to do or what are other people saying you should do what is God asking you to do? Again, give your attention to him first and foremost. And then the, sec- uh, the, the third question, the final question, is how are you uniquely positioned to partner with Jesus in bringing his spiritual awakening? Let me ask that again. How are you uniquely positioned to partner with Jesus in bringing his spiritual awakening? Right? Um, there is, um, there's so, there's this work that God is doing is so beautiful and it's so complex. And we are each members of his body and he's um, intends to, uh, to use each of us in the unique ways that we have been created by him. And so I want you to start thinking about the unique things that you have that I don't and the unique things that you have that your spouse doesn't and that the other leaders on our team does not have. Who has God made you to be? And then how can you be a partner with him in this redemptive project? He is a furnace and a powerhouse of redemptive love. And he's inviting us to be a part of that journey with him. And then the last thing that I'll do is just to call you one once again to pray with us and to join a care crew. This is how you participate in community while 
you are in self-quarantine and while our rhythms look a lot different. So we want to remain connected with you and this is how we are proposing that you do that. Pray with us over Zoom, sign up to be a part of the 24-7 prayer movement, and then join a care crew. You can get all of this information on our website. May the Lord bless you, may keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you his peace. Jesus, you are king. We love you. We want to serve you with our whole lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.